Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Series looking at the harvest, sowing, watering, reaping, and rejoicing. You know, I want to be able to rejoice in life. I hope that you want to be able to rejoice in life, too. Some people seem to relish in, you know, staying in a bad mood. But I want to be a rejoicing individual. And I know that our church wants to be a church full of rejoicing individuals. And that's what this series is all about. Last week, we looked at the parable of the sower and the seed and the soil. And we learned one principle. And the principle is this. If you want a better harvest, if you could do one thing to change your future harvest, if you want a better harvest, change your heart. If you want a better harvest in your life, change your heart. It starts from within. You know, sometimes it's tempting to look at the circumstances outside of us. Sometimes it's tempting to look at the people around us. But God wants us to look within us. He wants us to look at our hearts. And if we're not satisfied with the harvest we've been receiving, then let's change our hearts. Amen? And last week we looked at four different kinds of hearts. We saw the fallow heart. It's a a heart that rejects the word of God. It rejected the gospel. It's not yet saved and it lets you know it. Maybe there's an individual here this morning that is like that. You're of the fallow heart and and you've received the gospel. You know what the Bible says, but you haven't trusted it yet. You haven't haven't committed to it yet. And uh, your friends are praying for you. Maybe your family is praying for you. Your church is praying for you. But you're a fallow heart. You have not yet trusted Christ as your Savior. Today could be the day. If you want a better harvest, you can change your heart this morning. You can trust Jesus Christ as your Savior today. There's a second kind of a heart. It's called the fraudulent heart. It's the stony soil in the parable. And there's a seed that is sown into the heart. And it looks like it is received, but there is no root within. There's nothing on the inside. There's no change inside and so it produces some fruit right away but when persecution comes then that individual fades away i was a fraudulent hearted soil for many years when i was in elementary school i prayed a prayer and i made a profession i told people that i was saved i got baptized i told my pastor that i was saved and and we went over to uh, the place that we were renting a place we didn't have a baptistry and so we went uh, next door there was a there was a gym and in the gym there's like a pool and so i was baptized in a pool and I, and i said that i was saved for many many years people thought i was saved i grew up in the youth group and told people i was saved i went out soul winning on a saturday morning but i had never yet trusted christ as my savior When I was 20 years old, finally, God got a hold of my heart and said, you know that you're not saved. You know that you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior. You know that you've never had your sins to be forgiven. And when I was 20 years old, really, I got saved. And so I trusted Christ as my Savior. I got re-baptized, if you want to use it that way. I got baptized about, uh, about 12, 14 years ago. There's a third kind of soil. It's a faithless hearted soil. It's an individual who is saved. They trusted Christ as their savior, but they have some thorns in their life and it's choking out the word and it's not able to produce fruit. The fourth kind is the good soil. It is the fruitful heart, the fruitful soil that has weeded out the thorns, that has removed the temptations and, and, and removed the sins and been able to grow and produce some fruit. If I could ask you once again to reconsider, which of these four kinds of soil are you? Are you saved this morning? If you're not saved, you can be saved. You need to be saved. If you're saved this morning, how's your fruit? How's the result of your life? How are things going? 
What's the harvest been like? Maybe you need to grow in your faith. Maybe you need to remove some sins. Maybe there are some thorns in your life. Maybe that's what you need to do. If you're a fruitful heart, let me encourage you to continue to do so. You know, thorns will continue to fall into your soil and you need to continually pull them out. This morning, though, we are going to take a look at sowing and reaping. This verse that gives us this law of sowing and reaping. And our regard for the law of sowing and reaping will determine our future harvest. Whether or not you consider and regard and accept and believe and apply this law to your life will determine what kind of harvest you have in the future. I want to take a look at these verses that God gave to us regarding the principle of sowing and reaping. First of all, I see the assurance of the law. I see the assurance of the law. Verse number 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God says in no uncertain terms, this is the law, and it is clearly the law, it is whatsoever you sow, is what you will reap. It is a law. And we're familiar with laws. We're familiar with the laws of, of physics, right? We're familiar with the laws of, of things like gravity, right? What goes up must come down, right? Every single time. Has there ever been a time in your life where you jumped up and thought, maybe this time I won't come back down, right? Has there ever been a time in your life? No, because you know the law of gravity, right? And you've learned it by the application of it, right? Hey, every single time I jump up, I just happen to fall down. Every time I throw something up, it comes right back down. There must be something here. It's called the law of gravity. Every single time we go up, we must come back down. And we understand that, and we know it, and we live our lives around it, right? If we see a, 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 a cliff, we know I need to stay away because there's this thing called the law of gravity. If I go over the edge, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to go down, and it's not going to be good for me. So I'm going to stay away from the, the, the edge. I'm going to build a fence around it, right? We, 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 we do things understanding the law, and God gives to us a spiritual law. One uh, individual said it this way, as you face scientific problems, remember that there is nothing truer in the universe than scientific statements in the word of God. Who created these laws? It is God. God made these laws. God made the laws of physics. God made the law of gravity. God made all of these laws, and he gave to us physical laws, and we know them, and we understand them. The same individual who gave to us physical laws gave to us this spiritual law. And just as true as gravity is true, and just as true as the laws of physics are true, spiritual laws are also true. And we would do well to build our lives around it, understanding that this will happen every single time. What you sow is what you reap. What you sow is what you reap. Job chapter 4, verse number 8 says this, Even as I have seen they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness, reap the same. Hey, is there any surprise that they that sow and plow iniquity and wickedness, they reap iniquity and wickedness. Proverbs 131, therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. You reap what you sow. 
If you plant a watermelon seed into your backyard, guess what's going to grow out of that? It's not a cucumber. You're not going to get a pumpkin out of that. You're not going to plant a watermelon seed and then see an apple tree grow up. What are you going to get? You're going to get a watermelon plant, right? If you take an apple and you plant it into the ground, what's going to grow up? It's going to be an apple tree, right? Whatever you put into the ground is what you should be expecting. You reap what you sow. You sow to the flesh. You sow corruption. You reap decay. You reap death. You sow to the spirit and you reap eternal life. You reap what you sow, but you also reap after you sow. Did you read the verse? The, the beginning of the verse says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. The question, therefore, is then, why would anybody be deceived? Are any of us deceived about the law of gravity? I hope not. Right? We all understand that. And this law is very simple. We all know it. We all understand it. It's pretty, pretty easy to understand. Why would anybody be deceived? I think one of the reasons is that we always reap after we sow. Notice the verb tense. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Sometime in the future you will reap. It'd be nice if I'm really hungry, I could just take a watermelon seed and plant it in the ground, and immediately a watermelon just appears. And I, as soon as I sow it, then I get to reap it, right? It'd be nice if I'm hungry, I can just, just take an apple seed, put it in the ground, and boom, suddenly I'm receiving all of these apples. It'd be nice if it were immediate, but it's not, right? I put it into the ground, and maybe many months later, I would reap something. Sometimes many years later, I might reap something. And I, I, sometimes we can be deceived. We can stop applying this law because we sowed something, but we haven't reaped from it yet. But it's because the harvest doesn't come right away. It takes time. You may sow something today, and sometimes it's nice. You get to sow something, and sometimes you do reap something right away. Right? It's nice when... You're nice to somebody or you're nice to a stranger and they're immediately nice right back to you, right? That's nice. It's nice that I get to sow kindness and reap kindness right away. But sometimes I sow kindness and I don't reap kindness back right away, right? Does that mean, oh, this law is not true. Oh, I can't apply this law to my life. Well, the Bible does say whatever you sow is what you will reap. Maybe what you sowed that day, you didn't get to reap that day, but one day in the future, you will reap it. And that's why we need to teach our children this. This is not a, a lesson on parenting, but I, I firmly believe this, that our kids will learn this principle from us. It is our responsibility to teach them this principle, to teach them the law of sowing and reaping when they are young. To teach them there are actions and there are consequences. And it is for their good so that they will learn, if I do good, I will be rewarded. If I do bad, I will be punished. And learn that early, before it's serious, before it's a big problem, before they sow a, a, an abundance of wickedness and iniquity, teach them, you know what, I'm not going to do this because I get punished for it. I think we need to do that. It's best to do it immediately so that they make the connection and they learn right away. 
You know, sometimes parents, they let their kids, they, you know, they, they do wrong and they say, stop doing it. Stop doing it. Stop. I said, stop. 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 Dad said, stop. Okay, stop, you know. And then the volume goes up. Dad said, stop. Stop. You know, you, know, you go through this roller coaster and, and all of that. You know what we are teaching them? We are teaching them that you can do bad and still not have a consequence. That's what's happening. They know that they shouldn't, they now know this is not good, but there's no consequences. And so they begin to develop in their mind, you know what, I can keep going, and then nothing happens. And we need to teach our kids that and teach them early to do right and to reward them when they do right. Sometimes we can just reward them with something simple. When we see them do good, let's give them a word of praise. Let's encourage them and show them when they do good, they get, they get rewarded with, with something good as well. And so we need to teach them early on so that they know this principle. You reap after you sow, and you always reap more than you sow. You know, when you plant a, a, let's say, a corn kernel into the ground, and it grows up, and you see a corn stalk, and you see some ears of corn grow out, how many kernels are on that stalk? Hundreds? Maybe thousands? You planted one into the ground, and you reaped an abundance. That's why we need to be careful what we sow. You say, it's just a little kernel it's just a little bit of sin it's just a little bit it may grow up into a big stalk with big ears of corn with lots of kernels on them be careful what you sow even the little things can grow up into a big harvest the assurance of the law. Secondly, I see the alternatives in the law. Verse number eight, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. There's two places that you can sow. It's to your flesh or to your spirit. If you go back a chapter, if you have your Bibles open to Galatians chapter six, turn to Galatians chapter five, the chapter right before it, and verse number 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are the contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So this passage that we're looking at is actually a follow-up to this passage. And what uh, uh, Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, what God is trying to communicate to us this morning, is that there are two places that we can sow, to our spirit and to our flesh, and God tells us the rewards or the consequences of sowing to these two places. Verse number 19 gives us the harvest when we sow to the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Here Paul says, if you sow to your flesh, this is what you're going to get. But if you sow to the Spirit, this is what you'll get. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Boy, when you look at the fruits of the, the Spirit and the fruit of the flesh, there's no comparison, is there, about which one that you want. You know, when I first moved here to California, uh, people would tell me about restaurants here in the area. 
you know, I moved here, and I, you know, I didn't know anything about this area. I never lived here, and, and uh, so, you know, I, I didn't even know that the In-N-Out was, like, right around the corner over there in Artesia. You know, I, I, I had no idea about anything. And so people would tell me about these restaurants, and they would tell me about, you know, local restaurants here and there and uh, not too far away, and they would say, oh, this is a place you need to check out, and that's a place you need to check out. And, uh, you know, as I've lived here a little bit longer and longer, you know, I've, I've kind of, you know, saturated the local area of the restaurants, right? I've tried that restaurant, I've tried this restaurant, you know, all of the ones in the local area. So now me and my wife, when we want to go out to eat, you know, depending on the day, we might, you know, kind of go out a little bit farther, but I don't know that area at all either. And so I, I go, I have an app, uh, and uh, many of you might have an app, or you, you just search online, and, and you look up. Oh, you know, I'm in the mood for, uh, I don't know, I'm in the mood for barbecue, and you look up barbecue, right? And then you get a bunch of things, and, and people post reviews, right? You know, they put one-star reviews, they put five-star reviews, and uh, I don't like it when, you know, somebody puts a five-star review, and they just say, it was good, you know? I, okay, it was good, but what about it was good, right? Why is it good, you know? What, what, you know, give me a little bit more. I love it when people post something, and they give me a picture, I like that. You know, when I go to a restaurant, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for pictures on the menu. You know, that looks good. This looks good. And, and I, I like it when people post their own pictures. You know, sometimes a restaurant will post their own picture. And, of course, a restaurant's picture always looks amazing, right? They get the lighting just right. They have everything cooked just right. It looks amazing, perfect. You know, they arrange everything. Great picture. But then when somebody orders it, sometimes it doesn't quite look exactly the same, right? You've been there, right? And so I like it when there's a picture, and I, I get to see, and I say, oh, yeah, that does look really, man, that barbecue, man, it looks really good. All of these reviews say that it looks really good. I really want to go there, so I'm going to go there. Or I'm going to try this sandwich restaurant. I'm going to try this burger place. Or I'm going to try this whatever it is, you know, this breakfast, you know, diner or something, you know. And uh, whatever the case might be, there, there are pictures. And we can see the pictures. And you, you, you look at some restaurants and you see the pictures and you're like, oh, man, that food doesn't look that good. I'm not going to go there. And you see another review at a different restaurant. They show some pictures. You know, that looks good. Man, that looks good. Oh, wow, that looks good too. Wow, that must be a great restaurant. I'm going to go over there. I like what I see over there. I don't like what I see over here. So I'm going to pick this place and I'm going to go over there. What God is giving to us is he's giving us some pictures. And he says, if you sow to your flesh, this is what you're going to get. This is what it looks like. And if you sow to your spirit, this is what it's going to look like. If you sow to your spirit, then you're going to get love. Boy, love looks good, doesn't it? Don't you want some of that? And you, you see joy. The fruit of the spirit is joy. And you're like, that looks good too. I want some of that. And then there's a picture of peace, and you're like, you know what, I've been struggling with some things. I need some peace in my life. I want some of that as well. I need some long-suffering. I need some people to be patient with me. I want to be patient with others. I need some long-suffering. I want gentleness, right? I don't want harshness. I don't, I don't want that. I want gentleness. Wow, this is, this is a great place. Hey, this, if I sow to the Spirit, then I'm going to reap these things. God's given us some pictures. I want some of that. Then sow to your Spirit. Do right. Do what the Bible says. And obey it, and that's what you will get. But if you don't sow to your spirit, God gives us some pictures, and he says, be careful if you sow to your flesh. These are some of the things that you're going to get. You're going to get hatred. You're going to get envyings. You're going to get strife. You're going to get these things. Just be warned, if you go to the flesh and you sow to the flesh, these are the things that you will reap. 
And so we see the alternatives in the law. There are two places for you to sow, the flesh or the spirit. And God gives some, us some pictures of the harvest to help us know, all right, these are things that I want, so I'm going to sow to the flesh. We see the assurance of the law. We see the alternatives in the law. Thirdly, we see the abiding in the law. Verse number 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There is a harvest season. The Bible says, In due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, I'm not that familiar with uh, farming or any of that. And last week I asked, you know, how many of you lived on a farm? If, you know, just a few hands went up. So I'm not that familiar with the process or the timing of it, you know, but just in general, you know, we think about, you know, grain, you know, we think about wheat or something. When do you plant wheat? You plant it generally in the springtime, right? When do you harvest the wheat? You harvest it in the fall, right? You sow in the spring, you harvest in the fall, but in the meantime, there's summer. And maybe you're in summer. You feel like I've sown in the springtime, I've been sowing to my spirit, but I haven't yet reaped it yet. The Bible encourages us, don't quit yet. Maybe you're in summer season, but fall season's coming soon. It's going to get here. It'll be here soon. So don't stop sowing. Don't quit. In due season, you will, uh, you will reap the harvest. So keep on going. Keep on being faithful. The Bible describes the Christian, uh, the Christian walk as sometimes a race. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. God is encouraging us to continue to be faithful. 1 Corinthians 9 says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Run knowing that there is a reward at the end of your race. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, but ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. You know, it's easy for us to get tired when we're doing well, when we're in the summer season. You know, it's nice when you sow and you reap and you sow and you reap right away. It's nice, but sometimes you sow and you sow and you sow, but you still got to endure through summer season. The Bible says don't quit. You know, if you're a Christian here, you feel like you're in summer season. You feel like I've been sowing and sowing and sowing, but I haven't yet reaped what I thought I would reap. You're in summer season right now. Don't quit. Fall's coming. Don't stop being faithful. Summer's gonna, uh, fall is going to come. The harvest season is going to come. The due season will be here. So keep on keeping on. Fourthly, what I see is the application of the law. So we see some general principles that God is giving to us. And then he concludes with this application for us in verse number 10. In verse number 10, he says, Knowing the law of sowing and reaping, what you sow is what you reap. Verse 10 as ye have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Here we see the general principle of the law of sowing and reaping, but God gives to us a very specific application, which is this. Do good unto the believer. Do good to those that are saved. 
And we're actually going to take a look at Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. All right, verse number 1 down through verse number 10, you kind of see this connection through the whole passage. And we're going to take a look at some applications to the law of sowing and reaping. Verse number 1 gives us the right aim. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. The, the right aim for a Christian in their relationship with other believers is restoration. That's the word. The goal is restoration. This word for restoration was also used in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus is walking along the seashore and he sees Peter and Andrew, James and John, and he calls to them and he says, follow me and I will make you to be fishers of men. Verse number 21, here is Jesus, and he sees James and John, and going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship, with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. The word restoration is the same word here for mending. You know, every single one of us, we're not perfect, right? We have faults. We have some besetting sins. Maybe we have some anger issues. Maybe we have some attitude problems. Maybe we have some heart conditions. Maybe there's some bitterness that's in our heart. There's some mending that needs to be happened in our lives. Amen? Right? Every single one of us. I mean, maybe nobody else knows what it is, but every single one of us, we've got some mending. We need some restoration that needs to happen. You know what we as believers ought to have as our attitude and our aim with others is restoration. What is the purpose of having a church together? Why do we meet together? Why do we have a group of people here and we call ourselves members of Bible Baptist Church? Why do we bother to get together? Why do we bother to have life connection groups? Why do we bother to maybe have some counseling sessions? Why do we bother to have activities? Why do we bother to encourage people to get together? And why do, why do I bother to try to meet with people and, and talk with them and pray with them and see how they're doing? Why do we do all of these things? It's for the purpose of restoration. It's the purpose of helping people grow in their Christian walk so that they would be more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's why we gather together as Christians. We're not just a social group that we get together because we like each other. I mean, I like you guys. And I hope that you guys like each other. And I hope that we all like each other. But that's not the central just goal because, whoa, I just happen to like these people. Our goal is to get together and help, us, help each other to be more like Jesus. That's why I encourage every one of you to be a part of a Life Connection class. You know what that'll do? It'll help you to be more like Jesus. Let me encourage you, spend some time with your Life Connection teacher. Talk with them. Get to know them. Ask them questions. It will help you to be mended. They'll give you advice out of God's Word, give you some application, help you to be restored. The Word is also used in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. 
That word for restoration is also used here in 1 Corinthians, talking about the church, that there be no divisions, but that ye be perfectly joined together. That's the same word for restoration. That ye be perfectly joined together, that we be all united together as a church. That we would be together, that we would be united. You know, in ancient Greece, there was a fighting formation that probably many of you are familiar with. It's called the phalanx. And it'd be, a, you know, just a big block of soldiers together, you know, kind of the traditional image is everybody would have a long spear and everybody would have a shield. And they would all stand, you know, in a line all together. They would lock shields together and then they would stick out their spear out in the front of the formation. And behind them would be another line of soldiers. They would have their shields locked together and they would stick out their their spears in between the soldiers in front of them. And so you'd have this, you know, just kind of wall of shields out in front and these spears that are just sticking out. And it was a very formidable uh, 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 thing to face, a very formidable, you know, battle formation. And the idea was in the unity, in having no gaps, there was a lot of strength there. You know, and maybe a soldier would fall in front, and, and maybe some of the frontline soldiers are, are falling in battle. The, the idea was that maybe a soldier behind would be able to step forward and fill in that space, be able to step into that gap and maintain some unity along the front. You know, that's what God would desire for our church, for us to be like a phalanx, united together, all having our shields locked together and our weapons pointed out. But you know what Satan would like more than anything else is to divide our church. You know, if he can pick off some believers here and there and create holes in this wall of shields and, and there's a gap over here and there's a couple gaps over there. Maybe God, or Satan was attacking a family and now this family has fallen away and they've fallen back. And, and there's another individual over here that used to be faithful, but they're not as faithful anymore. And, and uh, maybe there's somebody over here, they're struggling with some sin and, and they got involved with some wrong friends and now they're getting pulled aside. And, and now this once united front is now falling away and falling away and falling farther and farther apart. Now they're easier to attack, right? That's what Satan wants to do. But our goal as a church is for us to be restored, for us to be united together. That's the great thing about having friends in church is you can have a friend who says, hey, you know what? I've noticed you're kind of drifting away a little bit. Hey, let's get back in line. Hey, I've noticed that you kind of started falling back a little bit. Hey, let's stick together. Hey, let's move forward together. Hey, let's be together. Hey, I haven't seen you for a little bit. What's going on? Are you okay? Maybe they were just sick for a little bit. Maybe something happened, came up all of a sudden, and they weren't able to make it, and, and things like that happened. But maybe there's something going on spiritually, and they just need a friend to help restore them to encourage them to get back in line. That's what it means to sow good. That's what it means to sow righteousness. That's what it means to sow to the Spirit. In this case, hey, let's, to all that are the brethren, hey, let's try to do good to them. Hey, let's try to help them. Let's try to encourage them. Let's have the right aim. The right aim is restoration. If a believer is struggling or a believer has an area in which they need to grow, hey, let's try to help them. And let's also be helped, Amen. You know, if a believer talks to you about something that's going on in your life, hey, you know, I noticed that you did this. Is something going wrong there? Let's not be defensive about it. Let's not attack the person. Let's not deny it. Let's be open and honest and say, hey, you know, there's something that, that I'm struggling with. Hey, pray for me. 
hey, I need to be restored. There's an area in my life that needs help, that needs growth. Hey, let's be helped and let's be helpful. Let's have the right aim. Let's also have the right attitude. Verse number two gives us the attitude of love. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let's have love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We also see the attitude of humility in verse number three. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Hey, let's be humble about it. You know, it, 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 we might be able to see some things in other believers, but let's just be honest. We've got some things in our own lives as well. Amen? Hey, we've got some, I, I've got an area in my life. You know, I might be able to help another believer, and they might be able to help me as well. Hey, let's be humble about it. Let's not be proud or arrogant. Let's not be critical when we attack or, uh, in attacking another individual. But let's be humble about it in our attitude towards them and in our attitude towards ourselves. Also, I see an attitude of accountability. But let everyone prove his own work and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. So at the beginning it says, bear ye one another's burdens. And here it says, ye shall bear your own burdens. What does that mean? Well, we as believers, we ought to have the mindset of, I want to be a help to other individuals. But on a personal level, it means I'm not going to blame anybody else. You know, I'm not going to blame, you know, uh, 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 my life connection teacher for not doing, you know, what I thought that he should do. And, and somebody else said something to me, and, and I didn't really appreciate that. And, and so then it began this, you know, falling away. Hey, we're, we're not going to blame anybody. We're just going to stand accountable to God and say, you know what, I can't control what other people can do, but I can control what happens within me. I can't control what other people say, but I can control how I respond to them. You know, I can't control what other people do or don't do, but I can control the way that I act and the way that I behave. There's an attitude of accountability. Thirdly, I also see the right action. Verse number six says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. I want to see three areas in which we can have the right actions. Practically speaking, what can we do? Practically speaking, what can we do? And Paul gives us three areas in which we can act in accordance to the law of sowing and reaping to have the right actions. The first one is act with teaching. Verse number six, let him that is taught in the word. You know what that means? It means there was teaching going on. It means that there was learning Going on, it means that somebody was spending time to get into the word, to study the word, to learn to the, learn the word, and communicate it to somebody else who would be able to hear and to learn the word. One of the ways that we can act is to teach. That's what's happening in Luke chapter 1. Luke is writing to an individual. His name is Theophilus. And he's writing about the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse number 4, he says that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Now, sometimes our image of teaching and learning is a classroom setting, right? Sometimes that's the image. Is we're going to go into a class. Somebody's going to stand up at the front. They're going to have a whiteboard. Or they're going to have a projector, right? And everybody's going to sit at a desk and take notes and stuff like that. That's teaching. But, but as believers, teaching can sometimes just be as simple as you're having a conversation with a friend and they're describing something in their life and you say, you know what, that reminds me of a verse. Hey, let me show you this verse. Hey, in Galatians, the law of sowing and reaping. Hey, I want to show you this. Hey, maybe the reason why you're reaping some of these things is because, you know, I've noticed that that's what you were sowing in your life. 
hey, you need to stop sowing those things and you'll, you'll reap a different harvest. You know, that's, that's teaching. That's taking God's word, giving it to another individual, and showing them and applying what God's word says. Sometimes that's just all that is needed for an individual, just somebody to show them the word of God. We can also act with our treasures. Verse number six, again, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. So there is uh, this two-way lane. One individual is teaching, the other individual is communicating back. Now, the image, when we see the word communicate, is what? Talking. But communication, and in this passage, doesn't just mean talking back, responding. We see in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 15, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So, the first way that we could act in accordance with the law of sowing and reaping is to learn God's word and be able to share it with others. When was the last time that we witnessed to somebody? You know, that's teaching. That's preaching. You know, when was the last time that we were able to take a Bible verse and when we're having a conversation with a friend or maybe a family member, take it and be able to apply it to their life? We need to be able to serve in teaching. Another way that we could act in accordance is to give financially. You know, we just had our missions conference. I praise the Lord for our missionaries who have committed to go to many different places around the world. You know, we had a missionary who, this uh, missions conference, he's from Mexico. He was here in America raising support to go to Korea. And we have missionaries like that, you know, all in, in, in our, the, the missionary list of the missionaries that we support. And I appreciate those that are on the front lines. You know, they're putting themselves out there. They're putting their families out there. You know, their kids, they have to, they, maybe they were born and raised here. Now they're getting transplanted by no choice of their own to another country. And, and they understand that. The missionaries, they know what's going on. And, and to pray for your missionaries. Pray for their families. Pray for their kids and, and things like that. I, I, I thank the Lord for our missionaries that are willing to go on the front lines. But for those of us that maybe we're, we're not going to a foreign country. You know what we could do is we could supply them financially. You know, when you talk about a military and we talk about, you know, being in the military, you know, we think about the soldier that went and is deployed overseas and they're on the front lines and they're fighting in the wars and they're fighting in the battles. But there's a lot of other people involved in the military that aren't on the front lines, right? You know, there's something called the supply lines or the supply train. You know, the, the, the soldiers that are on the front lines, they need supplies. You know, as they use their weapons, they need munitions. Maybe their equipment is broken, they need it replaced or they need it fixed. They need food, they need supplies, they need all of these things. Who does that? People that are not on the front lines. You know, they're sending up to the people on the front lines the things that they need. Hey, what do you need out there on the front lines? Hey, this is what we need, those people back in, in, in the supply chain. You know what they do? That's their job. Their job is to say, hey, whatever it is that you need on the front line to get the job done, we want to supply you with that. And that's what missions is all about. Missions is all about, hey, what are you missionaries on the front line? What do you need? I'm going to supply you with some of the things that you will need so that you could be successful on the front lines. Practically speaking, not only just for our missionaries, but here in our church. You know, pastor needs to be supported so that he can continue to study the word and to learn and to be able to teach and to lead. 
You know, that's why it's important for believers to give. That's your way of, of, of sowing to the Spirit. Thirdly, I also see that there is a way that we could serve. It's acting with our time. You could teach. You could share the Word of God with somebody. You could give financially. You could also serve. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 10. Now if Timotheus comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. The easiest way maybe for any of us to get involved is to just come and serve. You know, October is a busy month. You're going to see in just a few moments the number of announcements that Brother Robbie is going to give. I think this is the longest list of announcements I've seen since I've been here. It's a long list. There's a lot of things, right? If you've ever felt like, you know what, I've been here at Bible Baptist Church, but I don't know what to do, you will see here today a big, long list. Every one of us could get involved somewhere. You know, we're going to have, and not to steal your announcements, but, you know, we're going to have a Christmas choir. And some of you are like, you know what, I can sing, I want to sing, I should sing, so I'm going to join up in the Christmas choir. That's great, but there, there may be somebody here who says, you know what, I, I, I'm just not a great singer, I don't, I can't, that's, that's not for me. That's okay, but there's something else for you. Hey, out of the list that comes up, say, you know what, that's something that I could do. Hey, that's an activity that I could come and participate in. You know, yesterday we had a, our, our uh, outreach at the street festival, and uh, the festival was from 9 o'clock until 3 o'clock. And uh, we had a lot of different individuals come at different times because they came when they could. You know, we had some individuals stay. They stayed the whole day. I was there all day. Mrs. Brooks was there all day. You know, we had a number of individuals that were there all day. But some people had to work in the morning, so they, they couldn't come in the morning, but they could come in the afternoon. You know, there were some individuals that had to work in the afternoon, but they could come in the morning, so they came in the morning. You know, I appreciate that they came when they could. You know, and that ought to be the heart of a servant. You know, we want to sow to the Spirit, and maybe there's something that we can't do. I don't know how to do that. I can't do that, but this is something that I could do. Hey, I'm going to participate in that. You know, this Saturday, there's going to be fall cleaning. You say, I, I don't know what to do. Just come this Saturday and help us. We've got a lot of things to do around the church, and a lot of cleaning up, a lot of fixing and things like that. Maybe that's something that you could do. You know, if you want to sow to the Spirit, get involved with your church. Amen? All right, get involved. Find something where you say, you know what, that works for me. You know, my work schedule doesn't work for this activity, but there's another one. I want to go to that one. Or maybe you hear about an event, and maybe it normally doesn't work, but you're going to talk with your boss and, and try to work something out so you'd be able to make it and, and work some things out so you'd be able to come, that you'd be able to serve. And, and I know that, you know, working those things out isn't always easy, but let's find some way that we could participate. You know why? Because we want a good harvest. I want to sow to the Spirit so I could reap a harvest in the future. Knowing this, you know what, if I, if I sow here, if I come to the church and I participate and I sow to the Spirit, I'm going to reap something good. I'm going to reap it later maybe, but I know I'm going to reap it in abundance. So you know what, I'm going to make some time to participate in my church. You know what, I'm going to look at my finances and I'm going to see where I could take that Starbucks, you know, drink that I normally have every single day. I'm going to, you know, maybe cut it down a little bit. Instead of getting the, the Trenti, the super large one, I'm going to cut it back just a little bit to a Venti, all right? Just, it's a, a Venti is still not enough, but, you know, I can make do with that, you know? You know, just cut back just a little bit. You know, cut back here or there so I could be able to give. And that's what it means to sow to the Spirit. 
It also means to teach with the word. Maybe you're not familiar with your Bible. And you say, I, I would love to be able to help a brother. You know, I, I'm talking with a friend, and, and uh, they're, they're telling me about some things. And I would love to be able to help them, but I just, I just don't know what the Bible says about their situation. You know what you could do? Study your Bible. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Hey, maybe that's what we need to do as believers. We need to just sit down, set apart some time, and study the Bible. And say, oh, you know what? That's a great verse. It deals with anger. You know what? That's going to be a help to me personally. You know what? If, I, if uh, you know, a brother or sister comes up to me, I'm going to share that with them. You know what? Oh, here's a great verse that deals with finances. You know what? This is a great principle. You know what? I'm going to take this and I'm going to apply it to my life. I'm going to underline it. I might even write it down somewhere to, to help me to remember where this verse is. And, and when a believer comes and talks to me, I'm going to grab my Bible and, and, and look it up and say, hey, here's a verse that I, I read the other day. Here's a verse that I read last year. I want to share it with you. I think that'll be a help to you. Hey, let's, let's sow to the Spirit. Hey, let's get into our Bibles and study it so we'd be able to share it with another individual. Hey, let's take a look at our finances. And, and uh, yeah, many times it's tough here in the area, but maybe there's something that you could squeeze out. Let's do that so that we could be able to give to others, that we could be able to give to the Lord. Let's also find a place to serve and apply our talents and apply what we have so that we'd be able to sow to the Spirit because we want a good harvest.